In the name of our living and loving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One of the things that struck me when reflecting on the reading set for this morning was the fact that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and his kingdom, has consequences. While it is possible to pay lip service and sit lightly to what being a follower of Jesus means, the reality is that it demands more from us than that. Christian faith challenges us to realign our values and our relationships with the standards of the kingdom of God, which Jesus both proclaimed and embodied. It is a faith that is life-giving, but which demands from us a life of faithful service. It is also the adventure of a lifetime, during which we continue to develop and grow as we seek to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. From the moment we embark on the journey as disciples of Christ, life can never be the same. Such a commitment compels us to look at the world in a different way, to see life through a different set of lenses, to march to the beat of a different drum. This is no easy path to follow, and there will be considerable obstacles and hurdles to negotiate along the way. But it is the route to fullness of life which Jesus himself came to show us. And not only did he show us the way, he is the way. Christian faith has consequences not only for us, but also for those we encounter along the way and with whom we share our faith in Jesus Christ. Because when the gospel message is heard and received, it has the potential to be life-changing for the recipient and also to have an impact on that person's family and friends, which cannot always be anticipated. The consequences can be far-reaching, not least because the gospel message is a challenge to the status quo. It is often disturbing and sometimes disruptive. We can see this evident in the first reading from Acts and can discern it in the words of Jesus to his disciples in the Gospel reading from John. In the Acts reading, Paul and Silas are in Philippi, where they are being followed around by a young slave girl with the ability to tell fortunes, a girl who keeps interrupting them by announcing to all and sundry that they are disciples of Jesus the Messiah. For the owners of the girl, that she was a good source of income, someone to be exploited and used for their own ends. It's not easy to see just why Paul and Silas got so worked up about the girl's pronouncements, as what she was saying was quite accurate. They were indeed, as the girl put it, slaves of the Most High God, who proclaimed to you a way of salvation. Maybe she was distracting people away from what the disciples were trying to say. They may also have recognized that her so-called fortune-telling ability was harming rather than helping her own spiritual well-being. In any event, Paul responds by commanding the spirit of divination that was in the girl to come out. The owners of the girl were unhappy to say the least. Their nice little earner instantly lost her value. Unfortunately, we don't know the fate of the slave girl, but there would certainly have been consequences to her encounter with the gospel message through Paul and Silas. We can imagine her owners being far from pleased with her, having lost her fortune-telling ability and with it her earning capacity. As both a slave and a girl in that culture and context, 
her outlook would not have been good. The consequences for the slave girl after her encounter with Christian faith in the shape of Paul and Silas would have been difficult, and it leaves us pondering what her fate might have been. My hope is that she became part of the Christian community left behind by Paul and Silas, that they cared for her in the aftermath. That outcome was certainly the case for many slaves in the early days of Christianity, as they found a group of people who loved and accepted them, regardless of their lowly place in society. I hope that was the case for the slave girl. I believe that as Christians we must trust in the providence of God to care for those people whom we meet along the way and who respond to the witness to Jesus Christ that we bear through our words, our actions and our presence in their life. As Jesus reminds us elsewhere in the Gospels, his message will cause division. Families, friends and communities may be split as some respond and some reject the good news. That's not an easy thing to hear. This realization was brought home to me many years ago through a conversation with a Mormon missionary, whom over a period of six months or so I came to know quite well. Elder Smith, not his real name, was a young man from Utah coming to the end of his compulsory two-year missionary service something expected of anyone growing up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to give them their full title. It seemed a little odd to be referring to a 19-year-old as Elder Smith, so I did manage to persuade him to tell me his first name, let's say Alan. As you may well know, the Mormons are not regarded as a mainstream Christian denomination, holding very unorthodox beliefs about the nature of God and the person of Jesus Christ. So not surprisingly, we had much to discuss and debate. Mostly, Alan would come along to our house with a missionary colleague, as is the Mormon approach. We always tried to show them hospitality, and they were certainly always glad of a good meal. Then, about a month before he was due to return to Salt Lake City, Alan visited unexpectedly on his own. And he said to me, I no longer believe in the doctrines of the Latter-day Saints or the teachings of the Mormon Church in which I have grown up. In my heart, I now see the truth of the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom, and I want to follow him. But I'm shortly due to go back to my home in Utah, where all my friends and family belong to the Latter-day Saints. I will be expected to finish my studies at Brigham Young University and then join my father's business. Over 90% of people in Utah are Mormons. If I tell them about my newfound faith, they will disown me, and I will probably have to move to another state to find work. What can I do other than go back there and try to figure things out from there? The gospel has consequences, and I was left thinking, what on earth have I done by upsetting the equilibrium of Alan's life? I had no answer for him, and who was I to try and persuade him to do otherwise? My hope is that back in Utah, he did eventually connect with a mainstream Christian community who were able to support him through whatever turmoil might have resulted from his rejection of the Mormon faith and nurture him on his path of Christian discipleship. 
I never heard from Alan after his return to Salt Lake City, so may never know what happened to him. But that experience lives with me as a constant reminder that Christian faith has consequences that are not always easy to live with, something that is true for both the one who is sharing the gospel and for the one receiving it. We don't know whatever happened to the slave girl in Philippi. I don't know whatever happened to Elder Alan Smith. We do, however, know what the consequences of the gospel were for Paul and Silas. Persecution. The owners of the slave girl, incandescent with rage, contrived to get the disciples arrested, flogged, thrown into jail on trumped-up charges where they were held with their feet in the stocks. What happens next is a study in how faith and unity in Christ provides the spiritual resources to face the most hopeless of situations. We find Paul and Silas not in a state of anguish or despair, but praying and singing hymns to God. This doesn't happen because of an intellectual assent to an idea, but because of being at one with the risen Christ. Paul and Silas were rooted in their faith and not shaken unduly by what befell them. Then comes the account of an earthquake and the potential for Paul and Silas to make their escape. When the poor jailer woke up and saw the cell doors open, he was about to kill himself by his own hand, knowing that the consequence of a prisoner escape was execution. Astounded by the fact that his prisoners had not fled the scene, and affected deeply by the conduct of the disciples, the jailer himself ended, believe, ended up believing in Jesus, as did his family, and the whole household of the jailer was baptised that very night. The gospel has consequences. I wonder what influence the jailer subsequently had on his colleagues, and also on the prisoners in his care as a result of his newfound faith. Any encounter with the gospel beyond the level of superficiality will have an effect on a person's life, the consequences of which may be far-reaching and life-changing. The gospel pushes us beyond our comfort zones because that is where following in the footsteps of Jesus inevitably takes us. That can sound very disconcerting, and it would be if not for the presence and guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives the one of whom Jesus spoke to the disciples and would be sent upon the church at Pentecost, the event we celebrate again next Sunday. That was the reassurance being given by Jesus in chapters 14 to 17 of John's Gospel, from which our Gospel came this morning. It is an important passage in which Jesus speaks plainly and realistically to the disciples about the consequences that would result for them if they follow in his footsteps. In those chapters, Jesus tells of how his disciples will, like him, experience the hatred of the world and experience suffering and sorrow. Yet through it all, they would be held within the love of God. They would know the fellowship of the church and they would be strengthened and comforted by the Holy Spirit. Yes, they would know hardship and their discipleship would bear a cost but equally they would share in the glory of Jesus, perhaps the most important consequence of the gospel. So as we continue through this ascension tide, remembering that interval between Jesus returning to heaven 
and God sending the Holy Spirit upon the church, may we reflect upon the consequences of the gospel in our own lives. In what ways do we live our lives differently because of the faith we profess? How do our words and deeds mirror the life of the Lord we serve? To what extent is the love and compassion of God shared with others through the way we live? Are we faithful in our Christian witness and service? In our answers to questions such as these, the consequences of the gospel for each of us will be plain to see. Amen.